and then he started doing this thing, and he has he puts his he put his arms out wide and started doing this kind of like uh, bird, kind of, and he puts his arms out like this, and uh, we were like, "What? He's big red hair." And he's oh, like, God, he's no, like no. Jerry Doherty. And he's like, yes, that is the guy. <laughs> and of all oh, the players God. that had taken, taken his eye, it was Gary Doherty, the doc. I think it would lift the spirits of the nation. I don't give a fuck about the nation of Morocco. People's lives are at risk. Oli Gunnar, where would you like the statue? <laughs> it's an absolute disgrace. I refuse to answer that question. Take that as a yes, then. Take it whatever you want. I don't understand that politics, coronavirus. Why me? I wear a base cap and uh, have a bad shave. Hello, comrades, and you... Oh, God, you do better than that. You Hello, comrades. Hello. <laughs> Hello. Hello, comrades, and you're very welcome to the football spin. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> Okay. I am so, so pumped for this. Are you Dion? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Come on. Uh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, Nas, are you there? Nas, how you feeling? You pumped? Oh, can't wait. I'm buzzing. Buzzing. It's like Wolves, Wolves have scored again. Wolves are 2 0 <laughs> up against Crystal Palace. Boom. Yeah. Honestly, it's incredible. It's it like really cocaine is. football tonight. <laughs> <laughs> When this show goes on air, games get better. They do, We're seeing yeah. that with Bournemouth Leicester. We're yeah. seeing it now with Wolves against Crystal Palace, which is live as we speak. Was 1-0 and now 2-0 for Wolves. Um, and uh, earlier on, uh, Everton dented Sheffield United's European ambitions. <laughs> you know, that's the big news angle from that game. Uh, <laughs> Richarlison is now the second highest scoring Brazilian in European football over the past five seasons. There now. What about that behind that's, Neymar? That's one for the uh, honors board at Everton. <laughs> that, that, that puts him in contention for the Ballon d'Or. It oh, does, yeah. yes. <laughs> um, we'll get to Ballon d'Or later. And uh, what else? Brighton and Newcastle drew nil. What happened? Oh, that, 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 that they finished. They actually finished that match, did they? they didn't. <laughs> I missed that one. They didn't say. Oh, ah, lad, forget it. it. Forget it. <laughs> Like they could have, they could have not played that. Would anyone have noticed? Like I didn't notice. I didn't notice that it had taken place. So like, would nobody would have noticed if they hadn't bothered? Southampton, Brighton, and and Bournemouth are so interchangeable these days. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was, I was expecting both of you say you can, you both of you just to say you can't say that. Both of you, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, they yeah, are. No, they I, really are. I told you, I've, I've done with opinions. Like. I've, <laughs> I've, Really spark, you know, handing them out <laughs> really stingily now. Uh, but basically, probably, it has become like I was just thinking that it is. There's so many elements now that have just become like sort of George Costanza plots from uh, from Seinfeld. You know, just things that you know you would expect George, like sort of grifts of George Costanza that you think could actually make games better. Like if if Brighton and Newcastle didn't show up or claim they were a marine biologist or something you know there's something anything that would uh make it more interesting um it's just uh you know it's some of these games really really I've, really i've really. i've basically i've basically gone from the optimism of uh daydreaming about melissa tomei like about a week ago 
to to, to the state of like of like just storing my drinks in the, in the sofa <laughs> in the armchair. That's where I'm at. Okay, come on, let's go. Yes. Come on, Paddy. Okay, well, so well, let's talk about Watford um, because it's 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 interesting at Watford. Nigel Pearson sacked on Sunday. Um, they're right at it now. They've got something to play for. They're in the relegation zone. We spoke about them briefly last night, but we have a little bit of space and time to return to Watford tonight. Um, sorry, they're not in the relegation zone. They're just outside it. They're three points ahead of Villa. Um, and 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 it's all up for grabs now because they got rid of Pearson. And Troy Deeney has been speaking this afternoon. Rumours abounding that there was some kind of a fight at halftime in the game at West Ham. So let's hear from Troy Deeney, first of all. I'm seeing a lot of things online, which is... Uh... I don't know where people get these stories from because there's even less people at the training ground now, but there's more stories coming out. So I don't know how that works. But um, while we just said that, actually, just want to put out there, there was no fight at halftime. It's 2020. We don't do that anymore. You know, you, certainly with all the cameras and everything, you'd certainly see a lot more if that was the case. The gaffer didn't put his hands on anybody. Um, he was just frustrated and, and had a... I'm talking to so no one was fighting no one was punched no one was I don't know tickled I don't know what, what anyway there was no hands thrown let's just put it that way second of all Troy will not be picking teams because I've read that online as well I'm, I'm player coach apparently anything else I've missed out no we weren't locked in yet locked in we wasn't locked in after that so yeah a lot of interesting things I think people are bored and um not on about you, but certainly in media now, I see a lot of people that just make things up and hope it sticks and people come out and, and have to basically defend themselves from things that are not even remotely true. So it's, it's, it's a tough trying time for everyone in the world, I mean, at this point, you know, with what's going on with COVID and all of that. And, you know, it's, it's, it's not ideal to have to have people just making up lies. And unfortunately, with the world of social media, people don't actually wait to see if that's true. They just kind of go and you get reactions. And I've I've heard and seen some stuff online this this last 24 hours that's made me giggle, but also worry about people's lack of intelligence. Troy Deeney there, Dion speaking to BN Sports. Um, Just calling it out, just calling it like it is. People are bored, Dion. Well, also basically signing up to uh, your theory about so much that's going on, so much anger in, in on social media at the moment because uh, people are bored. Yeah. He's basically uh, taking up that one, um, uh, which must make you happy. One of your ideas. Uh, like, like, don't, like, don't get me started on angry people on Twitter. Like, I, I made the mistake of saying something about Harry Kane yesterday and it all blew up. Oh, what did you say? I didn't say. I said the most. Uh, the oh, most, about the overhead part. The, the yeah, the, like yeah. like the mildest thing. Like like I had no idea. Like the thing is that I, I don't tend to have that much interaction with Spurs fans. I know we're going massively off topic, off topic, but don't have that much interaction with Spurs fans. Like I take the piss out of like Arsenal and Liverpool and City and Leeds, and uh, and they give it back and generally it's fine. And like sometimes I enjoy winding them up, but like. With with the Spurs thing, I wasn't really. It was just a mild thing, and and it wasn't really. It was a, it was slightly poking fun, but not much. But like, Spurs fans went mad. Like 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 they were irate. They were they they were telling me to go and die. Uh, they, they were. Standard. 
<laughs> standard was, internet trolling there now to but, be but, fair but but, but genu- genuinely like, i've never had a reaction like that from from football fans about anything i've said and uh and like i, w- I was first of all like i found it funny then i was thinking what the fuck is going on and then i was like rereading what i said thinking like what could possibly be that offensive about what what i've said and uh towards towards the end of the day sort of like some spurs fans w- who were actually quite like sound were basically saying the consensus the consensus seemed to be that and apparently i wasn't aware of this but apparently harry kane gets shit loads of abuse and they're massively protective over him um and uh when i said yeah but what did i say wrong and then they'd bring up the fact that uh that people suggest he's slow or make make fun of the way he speaks and or like even like attack his family and stuff and like oh, i was like well I, I wasn't aware of any of that, but like it was, it was so weird. It was so maybe, so weird. Maybe they thought that you were preemptively spoiling his big gender reveal day, uh, <laughs> and uh, you know they didn't want you ruining the big day. I don't know, but it's 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 that thing that, like you were saying, it's it's a combination of being of people being bored, frustrated, and and angry. And Never. the point you were making was on the ball. I know we're going way off Troy Deeney here, yeah. but I saw somebody post and it was the perfect illustration of what you were trying to say, which was it was um, Davor Sucre playing for Arsenal, passing the ball to Canu for that amazing goal that Canu scored. Yeah. And it's clearly like he's he's just scrambling into the box to get in the end of the cross and he's f- fired it out to the touchline. Well, well, a lot of well, a lot of sensible people replied saying, "Yeah, that goes on. This player does it. That player does it." Like United fans are saying, like Rude Van Nistelrooy did it all the time. Apparently, apparently, uh, Jermaine Defoe was famous for it. But like, I do it. Like, like when I, when I was playing at school, that that's exactly what you did. You, you wanted to score, so you'd instead of like playing it through so the so, so, you, so your mate can score, you'd sort of push it slightly wide, so then he has to sort of chase it, and then you get in position. But I don't know. It was it was it was an interesting sort of a. Uh, it was interesting. Note that there's that there's a that there's a certain sort of like uh, soft spot or sort of nerve that you can touch with there that I I'm going to go nowhere nowhere near ever again. Don't touch Troy Deeney, I'd say, because he's he's similarly beloved by Watford fans. Um, what did you to what did you make of what he had to say today, Nas? Um, I thought I, I thought he was good. I think he speaks well. Um, yeah, it's it's like it's like you were saying, Paddy, that that, that he. He doesn't. He doesn't say anything too sort of uh, controversial in terms of like uh, going for the headlines or, or saying it for the sake of it or trying to be sensationalist. But he's just very frank. And like the the thing I like about him is that it, it, unlike a lot of players where they're worried about their PR or they're worried about how it'll come across, like he doesn't seem to care um, what people think of him. Like even even during the whole sort of like whether football should come back, he, he was like, well. Like I care about my kid. That's the most important thing to me, and and, and I don't care if uh, if everyone wants it back. Like that's my priority, and I think that's the way he's he's always spoken. And I'm not too familiar with his with his background, but am I right in thinking that sort of he came into sort of top tier football pretty late in his career? Yeah, yeah. I think... No, I think he's got that uh, interland um, that. Uh... Makes, just that perspective, makes a yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it, because it was, it wasn't it similar with Ian Wright. Yeah, it was, yeah, yeah. Um, but it's funny we'll we'll talk about um, Jude Bellingham later. But I do think there's, uh, you know, you can often tell players whether they, when they've had a different um, experience to to other players, it does make them 
uh, more obviously more self-aware and more aware of the world around them. Uh, and Dini is a, a great example of that. Like I don't, you know, who knows um, what what went on at Watford? And like the thing about Dini is that he is very good without saying anything much. He is a, just a very good way of saying it. So he's like, you know, this idea that uh, you know he, he makes it interesting saying nothing. So he's like saying, well, you know, we didn't. Have, there was no fight. There was nothing like that. Uh, and we don't do that anymore. Like that's not the way football is anymore. So it's kind of a more um, interesting way of shooting down a story than um, some people might might do. So uh, it doesn't um, like the the whole Nigel Pearson thing and what happened um, will kind of rumble on. Uh, and I guess Watford will. It, what happens over the next two matches will have will have the ultimate will be the ultimate kind of ruling on whether that was a good decision or. or or whether that decision can be justified or not, whether not whether it was a good decision, but uh, Dini is he is he is he is has a good way of kind of of moving it on anyway. Do you do you think that there's a because because I was quite impressed generally with the with the football sort of media during the lockdown when there was no football because like my initial thought was like how would they cope what would they cover but they generally I think did quite a good job. Uh, of finding things to cover. I mean, obviously, a lot of that was nostalgia, but still, like uh, they they kept some, kept things ticking along. Um, do, you, do you think, in a funny way, that since what was that? And maybe maybe this is close to your heart, Dion, seeing as you 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 seem to have fallen out uh, of love with the game in in recent days. Like, is is it almost the, is it almost a case of like since the football's come back, it's almost harder to report on it because it's so dull. Um. Yeah, well, there was always that. There was a kind of idea that went round during lockdown. I didn't really share it. I didn't. The nostalgia stuff didn't. I didn't really get involved in any of that, really. But like people were saying, oh yeah, you know, it's a shame that you have to get back to kind of covering quotes and uh, press conferences and matches and things like that. And I don't. I don't think that's the case. I think the problem is that a lot of it has. Uh, as we've talked about, this is this has been you know a lot of it hasn't been that compelling because things have been decided. The league was already decided; they had to go back and decide it. That that was they had to go back and finish it. Um, relegation is petering out, and then just the very nature of how this is taking place, I think, has made it has has um, has sort of deadened it a little bit. Like it's just become. Uh, a slog, and I think that's that's part of the problem. But I I do feel that at any stage, like in April and May, if things aren't decided, you know, most of these matches that we're now watching, like I, we would not be watching uh, Wolves Palace, um, on a you know if if it was if it was late if it was late April or early May, we just wouldn't be watching it. It would be the second last game. You might you might you might be awake when it comes on a match of the day, um. But uh, it's it you know you wouldn't really be engaged by it. So like there is there is something sort of the the, the balance isn't right right now in terms of the amount of football some of us are getting to see compared to what we're doing with the rest of our lives. And it, oh, you know we're still not doing a lot more. So that's the other thing. It's like you're kind of the one thing you want to be able to like that's happening that is a sort of diversion. A lot of the time is is still 
football. Um, I should say this is a good time as well to say our next show will have Jimmy Carragher on. So we will we'll have uh, more to chat about as well. I'm looking forward to having uh, Jimmy back on. He was um, brilliant at the start of the season himself with Gary Neville. Um, so kind of bookending this sort of run of football Spain with Jamie again. Um, in what is, we're moving on, moving along, in what is sure to be uh, crushing news for Danny Ings, there's going to be no Ballon d'Or this year. Oh, no, not Ings. <laughs> Ings denied. <laughs> uh, I mean, he was a shoo-in. Yeah, this is... Um, the Ballon d'Or, yeah, has been cancelled. It's been announced today that there will be no Ballon d'Or. Um, and I think if you're talking about bookending, and I know we're not out of uh, we're not out of coronavirus, um, and we're not pandemic, and the lock lockdown is we don't know where we're going with anything right now. But in some ways, okay, it doesn't bookend in that, in that case. But I think football today found its kind of equivalent of the celebrities imagine video uh in the statement that was put out announcing uh that that, that you know they they could have sung it um putting putting put, announcing that this would be postponed uh such a singular year cannot and should not be treated as an ordinary year when in doubt it is better to abstain than to persist the fairness that prevails for this honorary title could not be preserved in particular at the statistical level and also in the preparation since all the aspirants to the award could not be housed in the same boat, some having seen their season cut radically, others not. How can we compare the incomparable? Protecting the credibility and legitimacy of such an award also means ensuring the, its flawlessness over time. In these turbulent times, taking a break is a luxury. And an invaluable necessity. I, I actually thought when I was reading that the first time, I said, the, 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 uh, since all these aspirants to the award cannot be housed in the same, I thought they were going to say in the same hotel. I assumed there was some story about like you know we couldn't we couldn't accommodate everyone in a five star hotel because of uh, because of you know social distancing requirements. So we decided to fuck the whole thing. Um, but no, it was it was. Uh, it was it was about you know, a metaphor about judging judging all the players equally um and perhaps the most pompous self regarding uh trash since since that imagine video like this is it does actually tell you an awful lot about how desperately seriously some people have like take the ballon d'or like and you know and nobody taking it more seriously than Lionel Messi and Cristiano Ronaldo but um, the idea that you would feel that this is what you need to say about an award which is voted for, um, you know, which is just a, a series of individual judgments voted for by uh, journalists from around the world um, who may or may not may may or may not know a huge amount about 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 football, um, and uh, and this is this is the um, this is the this is the self-regard that they actually view the thing with, that this is like this, this last year was announced in December. Like there's plenty of time to get this award out. If you wanted to get it out, there is no need. They can all be housed in the same boat. Uh, like, you know, this is uh, like, this, this is not um, a pressing issue right now. It is not uh, something that you can, you feel that 
you know, oh, we, we, we must make a decision now because uh, so many people's, so many people will be thinking about this. I'm sure there are. Danny Ings might be thinking about this. Um, but it's not something that you can get the Ballon d'Or out. Get the Ballon d'Or out in 2020 and make it, you know, it, it doesn't, it does not, uh, what was the line? Uh, such a singular year cannot and should not be treated as an ordinary year. Just treat it the same as every other year and don't take yourself so seriously. It's, 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 it's such a it's such a weird quote. The whole thing is weird. Like, how can you compare the incompar- incomparable? Like, like what what does that even mean? Like, how can you do it, <laughs> how how can you do it in a normal year? Like, how can you how can you compare compare like the French league to the Spanish league to the Italian league to to like to the Scottish league? Like, like how can you sort of like possibly compare in a normal season? It's I I mean like cards on the table. I could not give less of a shit. Like like I I I find. PFA Player of the Year, Ballon d'Or winner, like it's it's utterly pointless. Like I just about will sit through like a Champions League draw or, or a Europa League draw because like I know that eventually there'll be an outcome that matters to football. But but the Ballon d'Or just seems like a big sort of like a lavish sort of eighteen hour sort of ceremony where where like somebody gets an award that doesn't really matter. Like all it, it's for ego, it's for sponsorship. And, and and all that kind of business, so it doesn't matter in, in that sense. But uh, I do think I do think it, for, for players for whom it does matter, I do think it's it's slightly slightly unfair because like this is this is life. Like things happen, shit happens in life. Like like this is, it's an extraordinary year, but people are still going to work. People are still dealing with stuff. People are people are still sort of like uh, doing their best in their particular professions. And it's the same with football. And there's so much football to be played. There's there's um there's a Champions League to be won like like whoever whoever sort of excels in the in the last stages of that that it's completely unfair on them um like like Benzema's had a good season Messi's had a good season um Rashford should get Rashford should get the Nobel Prize like forget Ballon d'Or um there's Lewinsky not Lewinsky um <laughs> Lewandowski not Lewinsky Lewinsky doesn't deserve the Ballon d'Or but um. Um, Lewandowski, like, like he, 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 he was, he was a lot of people's favorite for for it this year, and like he might, he might not get another stab at it if, if like, next season, um, normal services resumed and and Ronaldo and Messi are on at the peak of their powers. So it just, it just feels a bit, uh, a bit sly on certain certain people. But like, to be and you've overlooked Danny Ings there, is that because he used to play for Liverpool now, for any other reason? <laughs> well, for, well, funnily enough, like, like I, I know I made the joke about uh, Marcus Rashford, but. As well as, as well as being in incredible form, like Danny Ings is famously a lovely bloke who who does loads for the community. So why not? It's also bad. Well, I said Danny Ings, but it's also not good news for DJ Martin Salvaik, who probably would have been free this December to do that gig. And of course, his uh, flawlessness over in time extended to asking the first female Ballon d'Or winner to to twerk. So um, that's the Ballon d'Or, and it's. Uh, famous flawlessness over time. Um, okay, Jude Bellingham uh, has joined Borussia Dortmund, and um, in time-honored Twitter tradition, there's a Twitter video to go alongside it. And obviously, his name is Jude, so Dortmund have gone the bleeding obvious route. This is the Dortmund squad singing very much out of tune the Beatles standard. Uh-huh. 
heard you humming along there um fan of fan of the song fan of the video i mean it's 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 no it's no uh it's no paddy with his guitar is it you've got the guitar there this is how it should be <laughs> easy, done easy, easy. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah no it is it was bizarre like 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 i've seen people say like oh the whole point of it like why are people taking the piss the whole point of it is it's not meant to be good it's meant to be uh footballers singing it badly but to me, it was just like, it was shit just because, like, the humor was shit, like, they were trying to be funny. But, like, um, beyond that, like, like on, on a semi-serious point, like, like obviously, like, they can have fun with it. Like, uh, everyone's entitled to it. People have got bad senses of humor. That's fair enough. But, like, the, like he's, he, like, up until a few weeks ago, he was still 16. Like, literally, like, like he, his birthday was, was right at the end of June. So, like, he's only just turned 17. And, uh, and like, either either it's pretty unfair to put like 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 uh treat it like such a major sign in or like they've got such confidence in him and he's got so he's got such an amazing temperament that like a, a player that's that's just out of uh his 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 16th year um they're they're sort of uh basically giving him the 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 the, the kind of uh fucking thing united would do with Pobler and and sanchez the pug back treatment, yeah. yeah. Well, 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 I was well on the musical sort of tip. I was thinking fucking Sanchez on the on the pitch with his piano. Oh yeah. Well, you see, I, <laughs> the other thing about that is like, and this is very like uh, you know um, the sort of German devotion to a, a, a certain type of tune. Okay, this is the Beatles, and it, it, it's better than uh, you know. It, it should be better than what you know, like you know, soft rock and things that German music or Germans are drawn to. But the thing that struck me about it. Is that like this is a song released 50, 51 years ago, fifty years ago? Um, like this would be like you know playing uh, like when sort of Eric Cantona signed for Manchester United, like you know welcoming onto the pitch with like some sort of Vera Lynn track. You know what I mean? Like this is so long ago in Jude Bellingham's world. Like this is ancient yeah. history. Like he's like, what the fuck? He must be like, what the fuck is this song? <laughs> Like what the hell is this? You know what I mean. This is something that happened lifetimes ago <laughs> it's, in it's, his it's, world. It's probably older than his dad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's like something that happened. Yeah, like just something that ancient history. Like if if you saw that happen, if you saw right here's a song. Here's Eric Cantor, and to uh, announce his signing, uh, we've got a song from 1941. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, you would think that's not right. Like, why aren't you, okay, it was pre-Oasis, but like, why aren't you uh, playing the Stone Roses or something? Um, and uh, and then, like, they do this for uh, a 17-year-old. Um, but yeah, and I agree with Nas, it, it does, um, it does uh, put an awful lot of, uh, uh, draw an awful lot of attention to him and put an awful lot of pressure on him. But by all accounts, that's something he's he's able to, to deal with. 
And of course, Bellingham joins a long list of luminaries from both uh, English, English football, but also Irish football as well that have gone overseas and and expanded their footballing palette, their food palette, um, their cultural sort of um, understanding of the world. Um, Nas, you know, the names that spring to mind for you? Oh, I mean, like, like from the from like the sixties, you've got Dennis Law and Jimmy Greaves, uh, all the way to like equally as good, like players like Joey Barton at Marseille. So there's there's, there's like there's all sorts of luminaries. Like uh, my my sort of obviously like uh, talking about sort of when you're young and you and you're most into football. Like uh, it was it, for the, in, it was in the nineties for me when when the likes of it felt dead glamorous. The likes of uh, David Platt were going to Barry and. Uh, and uh, Des Walker went to Sampdoria, and obviously Gaza went to went to Lazio. Um, so, so know that that that's, that kind of felt like dead exotic. So uh, I I, I welcome the, the the sort of relatively recent trend of of young players going abroad. Um, it's kind of like what uh, what um, Dion was alluding to before that. I think it just makes you more of a rounded uh, individual. It's it's interesting with like obviously there's there's lots of interest in Jaden Sancho. Um, from United and others, like it, it would be interesting. First of all, it'd be interesting to see if he'd he, if he'd be valued as much if he was still at City, and he, and he might have broken in. But I doubt very much that he'd have the profile he's got now. Also, um, like at the time, because like because like because obviously I, I'm from Manchester, and like and like the the word around Manchester was was like oh he's he's trouble or like he's. He's a, he he's a bit of a prima donna for that age, and 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 this this could easily have been because like City were trying to sort of um, keep him on a longer contract, and he he wanted to look at his options. But like that is not the player. That's definitely not the player he's he's shown himself to be in um, in Germany. He's he's totally settled in. He's 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 found himself to be very comfortable in that country. Um, all his teammates love him. He's like both on and off the pitch. He seems like such a considered, intelligent young man. So, so I, I think I think it's a great thing. And uh, and yeah, like, like you, you do get you you do get certain players who just aren't made aren't cut out for it. I mean, was it was it Ian Rush who famously said like going to Juventus was like playing in a foreign country? It's, it's like, but I mean, I, I mean, I think I think generally, if uh, if players are willing to embrace it, um, they they tend to do well. I think it's a really important thing. I think it's uh, like for loads of different reasons, English football has rejected, uh, and English football in in a, it, like there's been a, a pathway, and you know English and Irish players to a great degree have kind of gone the same way where they've gone they've gone to you know they go they go through the academy system and they go to clubs and they believe that this is the you know, the world the football world that they understand is English football and. At the 2014 World Cup, there were two two squads. England and Russia didn't have a single player um, from outside their own league. Actually, England had one from outside their own league, and that was Fraser Forster, who was playing for Celtic. Uh, so, like that is a kind of an indicate. It's an indication, first of all, of the money that there was in uh, in England, because you know all those players, a lot of those players we mentioned. Of when they went to Italy, they didn't go necessarily because of the culture or to broaden their horizons, but they went because there was more money in the game there then. But at the same time, it did have that effect. And I think this is a really critical thing. And even if you're talking about it from, from the point of view of English football, um, 
one of the things I've always it's always struck me about English football is that that sense like that that sense of England teams and it's changing gradually but that sense of England teams at major tournaments when they came in big matches and suddenly the players seemed frozen and unable to sort of think their way out of the situation they found themselves in or just up against opponents and you know again it's it's classic cliche and again this applies to Ireland as well about tactically superior players or whatever or what it seems like but sometimes it's just it seems to be an ability to think on your feet and I often wondered if the idea of being in a in a process that removes to so such a great degree removes the uh, not just the ability to think for yourself but thinking for yourself is something that is frowned upon it's actually it's not something that you're you're encouraged to do uh, for a long time in English football. And again, I think this is changing, but it's something that uh, you you naturally have to do to a certain degree when you go and play abroad, when you um, experience a world, even in a, even in, a, in an elite football level, like where um, you know you're not going to be uh, sort of backpacking around. Um, and try to find your way, you know, trying to kind of make yourself understood in a foreign language in a situation where you can't, you, 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 you have nothing to fall back on. There will always be people to help you in that situation as a elite footballer, but it does make a difference, I think. And all those things, all those elements, it's a bit like, as this is what it comes back to with Troy Deeney as well, all those elements uh, give you a kind of more rounded personality and I think then equip you um, and there's a reason for that. They didn't equip you for the things you have to deal with as a footballer. Dion, from the list there, even just like from, like I, I know our focus is probably going to be a bit more on, on Irish footballers. There's a lot, I think, of English footballers that have have gone and been very successful at different levels. I mean, you even mentioned Des Walker. Forgotten about Des Walker at Sampdoria, but he had a very good career at Sampdoria. From an Irish point of view, you're probably limited to like some very clearly obvious ones, like Liam Brady was a, a god at Juve at the start of the 80s. He won two Scudettos. He wore the number 10 jersey. Like he had a brilliant career in Italy. Beyond that, he went and played for um, a few other Italian clubs as well. Like, so he was like, I mean, obviously he came to Italy as a superstar from Arsenal and he, but he actually matched it at, at that. There's obviously Robbie Keane as well. And he played for Inter, but very, very briefly because uh, Lippi was replaced as manager and Tardelli took over. But now I don't know, are you familiar with uh, Ronnie O'Brien who played for, who had to fill Liam Brady's boots? Um, it's about 20 years after mm-hmm. Brady he joined you. Yeah. It's, it's, it's like, it's an interesting story. And um, I think a lot of Irish fans will be familiar with his career. So Ronnie O'Brien was released by Middlesbrough in 98 and then immediately signed a five-year deal with Juventus, um, which was unbelievable. He went into a team alongside Zidane, alongside Edgar Davids, Del Piero, Inzaghi, uh, Chiro Ferrara. In the end, he only ended up like a lot of Irish fans were aware of him because like, obviously, He's joined the same club as Brady and not a lot of Irish players will join, you know, the most decorated club in, in Italian football. So they were obviously keeping a good eye on him. He ended up only playing one 13-minute uh, cameo in the Inter-Toto Cup 
against Rotzelmash. I've I don't even know if they exist anymore. But um what was most interesting was he was kind of a precursor to Boaty McBoatface because there was before the whole sort of rigging of social media votes. Before all of that, Time had their man of the year in 1999. Man of the century. Man of the century, excuse me. Man of the century. They had an online poll and a load of um, essentially O'Brien's mates clubbed together and decided to essentially start a campaign to uh, garner votes for Ronnie O'Brien. He shot the top of the list ahead of Winston Churchill, Einstein, Gandhi, all of these guys, and was at the top of the list for Times Man of the Century. Obviously, as the as the word spread around Ireland, the kind of groundswell of people voting for Ronnie O'Brien for Times Man of the Century, the word went around. Uh, eventually, the Time editors had to just... I mean, this is, this is one of the great kind of... Um, the great sort of injustices. They took him off the list, Naz. So, yes, I know. He would have been Time's man of the century, but for the fact that Time decided to just hike him off the list. Um, He went on to, as I say, like one appearance for Juve, and he's a pro golfer in Texas now. He's probably the most famous after uh, Brady and after Robbie Keane, the most famous uh, Italian Irish export. That's mad. I, like I can't believe I've, I've not heard of that story. Like uh, I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna have to look, look, look him up afterwards. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's a right. Is is a bit of a is a bit of a question for you. There's, there's, a, there's an Irish player that I think would was absolutely made for playing abroad, especially in Serie A, um, from the nineties and and eighties. Can you can you can you guess who it is? Nineties and eighties. <clears throat> uh... Just technically brilliant. Would have fit. Would have fit right into any. That's it. He would fit. He would fit into. He'd fit in a Juventus anywhere. AC Milan famously put Roberto Baggio in his pocket in the Giant Stadium in '94. So, but but you you can totally imagine him in Serie A, couldn't you? Yeah, you could have. Yeah, definitely. I remember uh, once being before Ireland played France in uh, in uh, 2002. Three two thousand four was when was it two thousand four that qualifying tournament for two thousand after two thousand four was for the for the World Cup in two thousand six and we were before Ireland played in Paris we were at Clairefontaine where France trained and a couple of us got talking to the uh, we were just wandering around the whole complex and we ended up in this in this sort of building and we started talking to the uh, guy who did the their video analyst who was there looking through clips of the Ireland team and uh he was you know going through and he was got chatting to him and he was like really friendly guy uh and he was then he was like you have one uh you have one incredible player you have one <laughs> incredible player and I are like yeah yeah we we got a few yeah yeah we're all giving it okay what Damien Duff Robbie Keane uh he says no 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 I know those guys yeah they're good players but you've one incredible player and uh so yeah uh, Andy Reid Kevin Kilban, no, 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 those guys, no, 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 one minute, one minute he is at the back, the next minute he is at the front, and then he started doing this thing, and he has, he puts his, he put his arms out wide and started doing this kind of like uh, bird, kind of, and he puts his arms out like this, and uh, we were like, what, he's big red hair, and he's oh, like, pretty like, no, no. dirty, and he's like, yes, that is the guy. <laughs> 
<laughs> and of all oh, the players geez. that had taken taken his eye, it was Gary Doherty, the Doc, who uh, <laughs> because of that strange that strange shepherding style. You remember his style? He used to kind of try and sort of press people with his his hands out wise if he was actually going to like rugby tackle them if they tried to beat him. Uh, that was what had caught the uh, you know the French French eye. Um, so uh, yeah, so we'll be making our mark. Ireland yeah. Irish footballers been making their mark. Well, for well, many well, years. well, well, you, well. You, obviously, you know who the next big star could be going to AC Milan, possibly. Oh, Jeff, Jeff Hendrick. Hendrick. Jeff yeah. Hendrick. Is it? Is he actually good? Because United is supposed to be after him as well. Technically, he's he's a good footballer. Technically, um, he's a very good footballer. I think he could do a lot more to. Uh, um, bring him, bring himself, and involve himself in games, especially for Ireland. Is he, is his uh, his crowning moment was the 2016 Euros. He was brilliant at the yeah, Euro, that Euro. Yeah. He was fantastic against Sweden, fantastic against Italy and France too. Like everybody was marked absence against Belgium, but he was brilliant in that tournament alongside Robbie Brady. Is he um, is, is he as technically good as 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 your beloved? What is it, Hulihan? Street footballer? No, he's not. No, 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 no. no. He was at a different level. Is he, is he is he retired? Is he is he is he done? Um, he's in the I think he's in the Australian league. The last time I checked, um, the A League. Right. Um, well, I say another I, another, I another player abroad. Do a job. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Um, I suppose, and like Robbie would have ended up in the A League as well. There's a few there, you know, um, yeah. that have done their best. And we haven't even mentioned Tony Cascarino. Yeah. I mean, like in terms of like like amazing bookends to a career like he was 31 when he joined Marseille yeah. in Le- league 2 league 2 uh, after their the scandal of the match fixing and Bernard Tappy all that financial irregularity stuff and he scored 61 goals in 84 games and he's the old still the oldest man to score a hat-trick in league 1 with Nancy what? Nancy I think you said it, but it, you should read Nancy <laughs> Nancy you're all Nancy <laughs> If you haven't read uh, Tony Cascarino's autobiography, which is The Secret Life of Tony Cascarino, it is unbelievably good. It is just, as you can imagine, so much colour. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so that's another another good one. Right, lads, listen, I think we should probably leave it with uh, Cascarino and uh, would say, Jesus, 45 minutes? Where did that come from? <laughs> Where did the time go? Where does the time go? Considering we were feigning interest at the beginning, it's been a, it's been a good old chat. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, right, all. Um, we'll be back. Who's saying, Where does the time go? Sandy. Sandy's. Who is it? Sandy Denny. Um, so who knows where the time goes? Sandy Denny's. Play it out on that one, Paddy. Another one for Jude Bellingham. A song, exactly. A song from. Follow <laughs> up. Song from 1968. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> All right, thanks, Theon. Thanks, Naz. We'll be back again, as I mentioned already, for our next show. We'll be with uh, Jimmy Carragher, so do tune in for that. If you haven't already done so, take subscribe, and you'll get these shows into your feed. Talk soon. Look. I think it would lift the spirits of the nation. I don't give a fuck about the nation of Morocco. People's lives are at risk. Ole Gunnar, 
Where would you like the statue? <laughs> it's an absolute disgrace. I refuse to answer that question. We'll take it as a yes, then. Take it whatever you want. I don't understand that politics, coronavirus. Why me? I wear a base cap and uh, have a bad shave.